Welcome to the weekly message from Encounter, where the past has no future and hope is reborn. Our speaker today is Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor at Encounter. share with you a message God has put in my heart. If you knew the gift of God, you ever not know something? That's where I live my life, it feels like. Anybody else in here, you, you feel like sometimes you go through life and you, you, you struggle with the thought that everybody knows more than you do. Anybody else? I just want to make sure that I'm not the only one in this group. You ever go through a situation and at first you thought you really handled it well, and then later you look back and you thought, my gosh, did I mess that up. <laughs> Anybody else in that group with me? Okay. This morning we're going to do things differently. Um, We're going to pray and then we're going to go through this story. One of the most powerful stories in the Word of God, in my opinion, uh, verse by verse. But let's first pray. Father, we come to you now in Jesus' name, and we're so grateful to be here, Dad. I feel your love for this people, God, and I'm, I'm humbled that you would ask me to stand before people that you love so much and share your heart. Holy Spirit, let's get real. You're, you're the one that does the real teaching and preaching. So I just release you to do what you do so well. When we leave here, I pray that we have a better vision of the Papa's heart. And I thank you for that. Amen. John chapter 4. I think one of the mistakes Christians make is they read through verses and they skip through parts to get to what they think is the good part. When in actuality, every word that has been written down has been inspired by the Holy Spirit to be there. And if we will slow down, but more than just slow down, if we will allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us, the stories just grow in their richness. So we pick up the story, speaking of Jesus here, and it says that he, so he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. If you're not careful, you've read this through how many times, and you run right past that, and and it, I, take, I take this to heart. The Bible says that there were many more things that Jesus did 
that were not written down because there was enough space to contain it. So there were things that Jesus did that the Holy Spirit shoved off the table so that he could put those words in the story. And it says that they were traveling to a city and they came to a spot and it was more than just a city in, a, in an area of Samaria. It was at this well, but this wasn't just any well. This was a well that Jacob gave his son Joseph. We're already getting started part of the story, and we're not even realizing it. We, how many knows that God does everything from the end to the beginning? We work from the beginning to the end. He works from the end to the beginning. He solves our problem before we ever get into it. You've you got you to grasp that. You've got to know that. When your footsteps bring you into a problem... You encounter that problem now. God solved that problem for you before you ever got there. You have to get that. That changes everything now. It's, it's, it's an adventure that you know how it ends. It's, it's like taking a roller coaster ride. They do everything they can to tell you you're about to die, but you're probably not going to die. When everything's said and done, you, this big strapping man, had the same experience that a 10-year-old girl went through, okay? You're not brave and you're not mighty. She went through it with her hands up because she had confidence that when everything was said and done, she's going to be brought back right to where we, she started and she was going to be safe. And so the story begins because this was a well that Jacob gave his son Joseph. And if you know Joseph... We've got to tell a little bit about his story. Joseph was the favored of Jacob. Jacob loved Joseph more than he loved the other sons. He was favored by dad. In one time, Joseph had a dream, and in this dream, he was held above his brothers. And he got to the place that his brothers were so angry that Joseph thought he was better, and they knew that dad loved him more that they took Joseph out and they, in fact, they were out working in the fields. And the Bible says that they saw Joseph from afar and they said, Behold, this dreamer cometh. Come now, let us slay him and cast him into a pit. And we will see what will become of his dreams. And so when he came, they, they threw him into a pit and they determined to tell dad that lions had eaten him and they decided, wait a minute, something better than that. We could sell him into slavery and at least get some money. And so they pull him out of the pit and they sell him off into slavery and they go home and they tell dad, your son has been killed. Here's his coat. Here's the blood on the coat. Joseph is dead. In reality, God had ordained Joseph to go into Egypt and through a long series of events. Joseph is now seated at the right hand of the king of Egypt. And the famine has hit. 
And Jacob and his, his other sons and their families are now starving, and they have to go to the king of Egypt to get help. And when they go to the king of Egypt to get help, they go into the court, and who is sitting on the throne? None other than Joseph. And Joseph knows these are his brothers, but they don't know that Joseph is their brother. You got the story? Hold that piece. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, when God tells you something, it's important. When he tells you something again, it's really important. How I many know what I'm talking about? With my dad, he said, do this. Okay. And then he'd give you that look. Don't forget to do that. You didn't, I mean, I mean, no, I'm talking about you. Here, here's a point that the Holy Spirit has inspired John to tell us twice. That this was a woman of Samaria. You have to know who they are. We, we, most people who know Bible know that the Samaritans were despised by the Jews. Jesus tells another story of what we call the good Samaritan. Jesus called a certain Samaritan. He used that Samaritan because the Samaritans were despised. They were looked down on. But why were they looked down on? Why were they despised? Why were they hated by the Jews? You'd have to roll back all the way to the time when Israel is in shambles. And Nehemiah begs the king to release him so he can go back and restore Jerusalem, to rebuild the walls around Jerusalem. And so when he, he went to go rebuild those walls and he began to solicit the help of people, there was one guy by the name of Sanballat who hindered everything that Nehemiah was doing on behalf of the children of Israel this is her lineage. That's where the Samaritans start. At a time when God was trying to do good for the people of Israel, there was a group that rose up that hindered everything that God was doing. It's kind of like it used to be in Ohio State Michigan football. They, they kept us from being good every year. And we, we just hated them because they, they kept us from being good. How I many know what I'm talking about? How many are glad those days are over? From that day forward, the Samaritans continued to worship God, but they worshiped God in how they wanted to. And the separation grew bigger and bigger. It's the... 
It's a divide that would never be resolved, seemingly. The hatred for each other, they despised one another. They were as opposite as you can get. Yet both of them believed that they were right. Yet the Samaritans were rebellious. They rebelled against any commands of God. They rebelled against all that God was doing. Every time God did something good for Israel, they rebelled against that. They were rebellious people. You and I would know these people as the last person you would expect to see in church. You know the kind of person that most Christians, when they see them come in the church, they, they just stare. Let me know what I'm talking about. These people have bad written all over them. Everything about them is bad. They act bad. They look bad. They're just bad, people would say. And as John is writing this story, the Holy Spirit is having him emphasize, I want you to know who this is. This is a Samaritan. This is a Samaritan woman. This is a woman who comes from a group of people that are against everything that Israel is for. This is a group of people that are rebellious. They are angry. They are violent. They don't like anything that God does for the children of Israel. And the Son of God is talking to her. What a message that sends out to us, folks. I want to tell us when, when religious people get on their high horse and they think that, that God doesn't want anything to do with you until you get your act cleaned up. I like Chuck Smith. He, if you've heard, he, there was a time in his life, he pastors out in Van Nuys, California. There was a time in his life where he was, and his church was pretty religious and pretty straight-laced, and, and he had a, a God season in his life where he really confronted all of that. And he just, something about him, one day he just, he just got up on a Saturday and he went down to the worst part of Van Nuys, California, and he began to invite homeless people to church and bikers to church and everybody that doesn't normally go to a staunch religious church, and he invited them all. And he said, I didn't expect this scene that would happen when I showed up at church and I was running a little bit late, and I showed up at church, and he said, there are several hundred people in the parking lot. And he said, there was two trustees of the church who normally would open the building to get everything going for people to come in, and they've got the doors locked. And they're standing in front of the doors. And Pastor Smith goes up to them and said, what's going on? He said, Pastor, these people want to come in. Pastor Smith said, what's the problem? He goes, Pastor, we, we just put in new carpeting. Pastor Smith said, he got a little ornery. He said, you're right. Good thinking. You wait here. I'm going in to rip out the carpeting. Because these people are coming in. Jesus died for them. And he said, one of the trustees said, are, are you sure? You've got to understand this story. That is the kind of people Jesus is talking to right now. 
That is the kind of individual he's talking to. Somebody who has rebelled against everything he stood for. Who dislikes the very people of God. Who have, have, have resisted and resisted and resisted. And he's, he's gone to a well to engage her. I love there's a part of the story I, got, I just got to add on him. You know, his disciples, they, they went in to get food. When they come back, the, the, the story is all but wrapped up. And, and she's now been blessed, and she now gets it. And they're shocked that he's talking to her. And they give him some food, and he doesn't eat. And they say, why aren't you eating? He said, I've got food to eat you don't even know about. And what blesses me is, is here's what he's saying, that I've been talking to that person that most of you guys hate, and it fed me. She's even shocked. She says, how is it that you, being a Jew, now you got to get this, you got to get what she's saying, You see, the Samaritans thought they were the real Jews. She's not just recognizing, she's rubbing it in his face. Oh, so, wait a minute, minute. if you're a Jew, what are you doing talking to me? That's the tone here. If you were really a Jew, you got a problem because now you're talking to me and you're not allowed to talk to me. She's rubbing it in his face. I'm so bad, you can't engage me. I've messed up so bad, and I come from a people that mess up so bad, you have no business talking to me. Because remember, you're a Jew. That's the attitude here. For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, Can I I tell you something? I, I know this about God. It doesn't matter where you are in your attitude towards him. He has an answer for you. He has an answer for you. You hate him, he has an answer for you. You're mad at him, he has an answer for you. You don't understand him, he has an answer for you. You don't feel like you fit in, he has an answer for you. He's never put off by the hard questions. He's never put off by the hard people. He's not put off by those people that don't fit the mold that most Christians think they ought to meet. Even though there's this divide, he has an answer for her. And he said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him. And he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with. And the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? And then she nails it. Are you greater than our father Jacob? Who gave us this well? She's really putting the wall up there. She's saying, you guys think you're the Jews? If you're such a righteous Jew, why are you talking to me? Why are you engaging me, a Samaritan, if you're a good Jew? The truth of the matter is, our father, 
Here's why that's important. Our father Jacob, God said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So when she says, our father, I mean, it's not your father. It's our father, Jacob, gave us this well. You know what I love about God is he just keeps pursuing us. He just, he just won't give up. He just won't quit. I, I would to God that we Christians would quit quitting on each other. I ask you that the last quit you have is to quit quitting. Make that your last quit. Just right now, just make that your last quit. If we're going to be symbols, if we're going to be the image of Christ, then you're going to have to take this on. You don't quit on each other. You all missed a good spot right there. You just don't quit on each other. You don't cancel somebody out, especially those that are putting up walls. And that's what she's doing. She's shoving it in his face. If you're a good Jew, you wouldn't be talking to me, much less me, a Samaritan, me, a woman. He said, if you knew the gift and who it is that was speaking to you, you'd ask of me. And I would give you living water that you'd never thirst again. She's what? Who do you think you are? What do you got to scoop it with? The well's deep. Our father Jacob gave us this well. We Christians got to get a backbone. There's going to be some people that resist you. There's going to be some people that get mad at you. There's going to be some people that push the God inside of you away. But the love of God just keeps pursuing and pursuing and pursuing and pursuing. It doesn't give up. It just keeps coming after us. It keeps coming after us. There's a word that I learned this week, and I've already forgot the pronunciation of it. But in, in Psalm 23, where it says, Your goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. That word follow is a really, really poor translation of that word. It, that, that word follow, you almost get the idea of a puppy, you know? Like I'm walking and, oh, cute, look at the little pup, puppy following me. That's not the right word at all. When you understand the original Hebrew meaning of that word, it's, an, uh, it's a, 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 a seeking after. It's a predator hunting a prey, okay? And it's an image of a lion chasing down a hyena. And David is saying that your goodness and mercy chases after me and it pursues me and it refuses to give up on me. And in that is everything we need. There's the goodness of God. What is that? That's in that moment when you have to make a decision, you have the opportunity of escape. You have the opportunity to choose good. But if you blow that, then there's the hound of mercy that's ready to bite you in spite of your stupidity for not choosing the hound of goodness. Are you with me? And God says, I'm going to heal you by one of these two things. I'm going to give you goodness, but when you blow it, I'm going to give you mercy. And then I'm going to give you goodness, and I'm going to give you mercy. And then I'm going to give you goodness, and I'm going to give you mercy. And I'm going to give you goodness, and I'm going to give you mercy. And one day, you just decide to stay with goodness. So she says, sir, I, 
you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank for him himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor, nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. He's been telling the story of Jacob, I'm sorry, of Joseph, all over again. The first time the brothers came to Joseph, they didn't know who it was. And he sent them away and said, go get your youngest brother and come back, Benjamin, and come back. You see, the story parallels. There's another story here. Can I, can I tell you something? When, when you listen to me, I, we, we lose people in this juncture because people think that when they finally turn their heart towards God, it's just going to be, you know, tiptoe through the tulips. Jesus loves me. Everything's great. And, and it's not that. You know what he does? He reaches down into the, the dam you have in your heart that is blocking the flow, and he wants to blow the dam up. And there's always a dam. There's always a dam. It's anger, it's addiction, it's hatred, it's a relationship, it's an attitude. And, and Jesus sees in her, she is now ready to receive what he has. And he says, okay, I'm, I'm going to give it to you. Go get your husband. I've said it before. My first time I read that, I thought, that's kind of mean. You know what happened. She's, she says, sir, I don't have a husband. I've had five. She says, sir, I don't have a husband. He said, well, you've well said you don't have a husband. You've had five. And the one you're living with is not even your husband. It's gone from bad to worse. This guy doesn't love you enough to give you his name. You've done nothing more than traded who you are just so you have a roof over your head and food in your belly. You sold yourself cheap. We humans do that, don't we? We typically give up goodness for garbage. And at first this may seem mean, but you don't understand it. He's... He's trying to help her. 
He's trying to get out of her that which is hindering her from receiving from him. So he puts his finger. You ever had God just put his finger on it? Oh, man. You know, there's a scripture isn't talked about much because it doesn't send anybody running and shouting, but Jesus said this. Whoever falls upon this rock will be broken. Whoever this rock falls upon, you will be crushed. There's your choice, crushed or broken. Go get your husband. It feels like in that moment that God is taking something from you. Before I got saved, I, I wanted to be a millionaire by the time I was 25 years old. It seems so stupid now, but it seemed so cool then. It just did. Be a millionaire by the time you're 25. It just seemed cool. And when I got saved, I thought, boy, we're going to get God's program going forward real fast because now he's got some, he's got some money and some smarts. We can do something. And I found out that was not his plan at all. But in actuality, that, that, that was a God in my life. And he had to take it away. Now, I wish I could stand here and tell you that that was enjoyable. There was nothing enjoyable about it. You talk about hitting rock bottom, I hit rock bottom. Homeless and hungry... In the dead of winter in northern Ohio, that's, 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 that's rock bottom. If you've never gone into McDonald's and asked for people as they're headed for the garbage can, if you can have what they didn't eat, then you don't know what rock bottom is. And I thought it was a tragedy, and it was one of the best times of my life because God was like this woman at the well. He was saying, about your dream to be a millionaire, Listen, folks, he will always do that. If you haven't had that moment, if you haven't had that moment with him where, where you've sold out everything, where you've given it up, I know this is old-style preaching, but listen, it's right out of the Bible. You need to. You need to have that moment where you throw it all on the table and he picks and chooses what goes back into your life. And you do that trusting that he knows better than you know. You're sure you need all that stuff and he will show you you don't need most of that stuff. She said, I have no husband. He said, you well said. I don't have a husband. You've had five. And the man you're living with is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. The woman said to her, said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. No. Look at me for just a moment. 
because she tries to get religious with him. She tries to get religious, and she said, Sir, I, I perceive you're a prophet, so let's have a theological discussion here. You people say that we should worship is on that mountain, and, and we, we think you ought to worship on that mountain. It's been that way ever since Sanballat. Well, what, do you, what do you have to say about that? I'm just going to paraphrase. He says this to her. You have no idea what you're talking about. And then he, he reels her in. He said, the time is coming, and it starts right now. No, no, no. I mean, Jesus, not her. Don't start a new program for the entire entirety of all of mankind with her. Look how broken she is. Look at what a mess she is. And he said, the time is coming. In fact, it now is. That true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And the Father seeks such. You know what he's done in this moment at the well? He's come to a pit and found her wallowing in the mire of life It was a learning experience for me. I didn't handle it right, but I, I learned from it. Ed Hunt, a guy who was one of the other pastors in the church, one of the other ministers in the church, he felt led to go visit these two brothers, and so we, we went. And um, we went over to Plain City, Ohio, and um, nasty rundown house, old two-story house, and Knocked on the door, it was a Saturday morning, about 10 o'clock in the morning, and knocked on the door and knocked, and nobody came. But you could look in the window and see him, one of the guys, sitting in a chair. And, and out of concern that maybe something was wrong, we went ahead and opened the door, and it wasn't locked, so we went in. And this guy was still in a drunken stupor, and we tried to talk to him and couldn't get much out of him and couldn't figure out where his brother was, and so we began to look and um, we, we went upstairs and we walked into this bedroom and this is in the summertime and the house is so old that the windows don't open and they have no air conditioning and it had to have been 95 degrees upstairs and there's a, a man laying in the bed I don't know how old he is I'm going to guess 70 years old He's laying in the bed, and he's been there a while, and he has vomited and defecated and wet himself. And at some point in time, he'd had a stroke, and that's why he's laying in the bed. And he has rolled in it. 
and he's naked from top of his head to the soles of his feet and he has all the vomit in his beard and he is covered with feces and there are flies everywhere. I go downstairs and dial 911 and tell them, hey, we got a guy here, it looks like he's had a stroke. And I give the 911 dispatcher the address and she said, hold on for just a moment. And she comes back and she says, we will not be coming. I said, excuse me? And she said, that's where, and she names the two guys that live there. The county can, the township can no longer afford to run out to that place because these two drunks keep getting hurt and having health issues and we just are, we're not coming. If he needs medical help, take him to emergency room. We're not coming. I go back upstairs and I tell Ed, he says, well, Pastor, let's, let's clean him up. I know where I'm at now with the Lord. That would have been my response. In that moment, that wasn't my response. I'm having all I can do to keep my lunch down. The smell was unbelievable. And Ed just launched in. We got a bucket and a washcloth and warm water. Ed was a big mountain of a man. He was a, a mason, a brick mason or a black mason. He's a big mountain of a man. With such tenderness, he, he washed. That's what Jesus is doing here with this woman. She is as nasty as it gets. And he's leaning forward and saying, Dad's been looking for you. Earlier he said this, if you knew the gift and who it was that was talking to you. You know what he's saying? If you just knew how much my father loves you. I know you're a mess. I know Jews hate you guys. I know you're a woman. I know you're broken. I know you, you're rebellious. But if you only knew the gift of my father's love, if you only knew that, if you knew him like I know him, that he's so forgiving and he's so loving and he's so kind and he's so compassionate and he holds nothing of this against you. I, I know you defecated. I know you vomited. I know you're wallowing in it because of your own mistakes, but you don't understand. You don't know my dad because if you knew the gift of the love of my dad, and if that's not enough, if you knew who it was that was bringing you that gift, he ripped me from his heart 
And he put me down on this planet so that I could look you in the eye and say, my dad loves you. Who else could he send to be a better voice than his only begotten son? So hear me, you rebel, you broken, messy person. You've messed up your life. Hear me. Dad's looking for you. That's Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor of Encounter. More messages from Pastor Rice are available at our website, godenc.com. You can subscribe to our regular podcast through our website or on iTunes. Find us on Facebook under Encounter.